All right, as we get the stage set up, uh, turn to Luke 24, and we'll get started here. You got the notes in your bulletin there for a new series that we're starting this week. And so Luke chapter 24 is where we're headed. And it's always great to have exciting music and uplifting music, and I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, it's, it's also neat uh, to have uh, Aaron and Seth have some family with them uh, besides just themselves today. And uh, especially want you to greet their mom who's here today. We've met some of their family before, but their mom's here this morning. And it's always great to see Kathy, and we've known them for many, many years. Well, here we go into a new series here uh, in the month of March. Yeah, this is the month, of course, of Resurrection Sunday, and so uh, we're thinking about some things uh, according to what Christ has done for us, and even on Chuck Wagon Sunday, we've had such a great time, uh, but hopefully in, uh, during the message, get even gooder now as we get started here. So, uh, new series, It Is Finished. You know, those three words are perhaps the most famous words spoken on the cross. And they are the basis of our hope in Jesus Christ. When Jesus uttered those words, he had completed the work the Father had sent him to do, and he had assured us of eternal victory for those who would believe in his name. And so we're going to begin this morning by seeing how Jesus finished the law's demand. And so Luke 24 is our text, and if you are physically able, would you please stand uh, one more time? I'm just keeping you loose here making sure that you don't fall asleep. If you fell asleep during that music, you probably need to have a conversation. Luke 24, and we're going to only read from verse 44 to 48. If you follow along, I'll read it out loud. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day. And the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. The law's demand is our title today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the avenue of music that stirs our hearts and and really, uh, just a, a time where we're refreshed and rejuvenated. And I pray that this morning that you would bless now, and this time as we study your word, that we would gain some things regarding this truth of, of you finishing the law's demand that would help us to live victorious Christian lives in days to come. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, baby. Seated. Well, after what we have seen and heard this morning, uh, you could picture the scene as three cowboys riding for the brand come upon the tracks of some cattle being driven off of their spread. And uh, they follow the trail, and of course it's always down by a river, right? And until they come upon, uh, there's, uh, there's this fire, a little branding fire, and a couple of rustlers caught in the act of stealing their boss's herd. And what words do you hear come out of the three cowboys' mouths? Right? I want you to kind of think about it. Think of every 
every spaghetti western you've ever seen, right? What three words do you hear? Get a rope. Get a job would be good too, but get a rope is what we're looking for, right? Get a rope. Now why get a rope? Because wrestling is a capital crime, right? You steal a horse, you steal a cow, you were hanged to the nearest tree. And in the Old West, justice was swift. Now, even if it wasn't always exactly just, if you were a horse thief, a wrestler, a cheater, a back shooter, things were going to get mighty rough for you when the vigilante posse showed up. You know, people stood up for some things in the Old West, even if some of the things weren't really worth standing up for. Like, you just spit tobacco on my foot. Let's have it out. Okay, let's have a gunfight. Maybe not worth dying for. But people stood up for the honor of the law. They also stood up for the honor of their friends and their loved ones. And in the famous words of Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. And so there was honor involved in the Old West. Now, the law demanded that a price be paid for a crime that had been committed. In our text this morning, we read Jesus' words to his disciples on the very evening of his resurrection. And he told them that the things that were written in the law of Moses had been fulfilled by his crucifixion and by his resurrection. You know, the law's purpose had always been to point men toward their need of redemption. And now the act of redemption had been finished and had taken with it the law's demand. And so this morning we're going to see four parts of this message as we think about the law and its demand being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And once again, the notes are in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Let's talk first about an unapproachable God. And I want you to go back with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 19. If you know much about Exodus, you know that in Exodus chapter 20, that the Ten Commandments are given. And in Exodus 19, they're getting ready for Moses to go up in Mount Sinai and receive the Ten Commandments. And God is preparing his, his people for this. And if, if you look in Exodus chapter 19, uh, they're going to get these commandments. They're going to get the judgments. They're going to get the civil regulations that all of these people were to keep. And if you read in the Old Testament, there were a lot of regulations. There were a lot of civil laws that had to be given. And how many of you have ever started your Bible reading and give it up in the book of Leviticus? Right? Goodness gracious, you get Leviticus, and they're talking about, you know, if you have a spot on your wall, here's what you need to do, and go see the priest, and he's going to come and He's going to scrub it, and then if a scab comes back, and it's talking about mold is what it's talking about. Now, if you have a lesion on your skin, or here's what you need to do if you have a, a flat roof. You have to build a battlement on your roof, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 22, uh, make sure that you don't have wool and cotton in the same garment, right? Make sure that you don't plant two different types of seeds in the same row. There's a lot of rules. A lot of regulations. But leading into this, in Exodus 19, we see something that is so unique because it's an unapproachable God. And in the New Testament era, in the age of grace, we don't really know this, but they had this. And look at Exodus 19, verse number 9. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear what I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. So Moses was telling the words of the people to God, and God was telling his word to Moses to give to the people. God was not approachable to the common person during this era of time. Look over at chapter 20. And I want you to notice how the reaction was on this. Uh, just after the Ten Commandments were given, verse number 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And they were so afraid of God. They were so afraid of any interaction with God. And God stood afar off. He stood in a thick cloud. And only certain people could speak as his mediator, as his go-between, as the intercessor. Yet during this era, for 40 years, Moses would be the go-between during this time of law. Others would follow as priests and prophets until the time we read about in Luke 24 when it is finished takes place. And when that takes place, Jesus fulfilled this demand to claim the role of mediator. The Bible says in the New Testament that there is one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ the righteous, that he is the intercessor all by himself. There's nobody else who can be between us and God. He is our advocate with the Father. And now, now all men everywhere can go directly to the throne of grace for themselves. Hebrews 4.16 says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. And so I want you to understand that in the Old Testament, there was an unapproachable God. But the law's demand was fulfilled. And at the moment that Jesus said it is finished, and he gave up the ghost, and he hung his head on the cross, the veil of the temple that signified the law was rent in two. And it miraculously rent it. It wasn't in a way where the priest could have taken the bottom of it and torn it. It was way up in the air, and God tore it in two. And uh, the place between the holy place and the holy of holies was open because now all men everywhere can go directly to God. You can go to God sitting in your chair this morning. You can go to God as you drive to work. You can go to God as you walk down the street. We can go directly to God. Now, that seems to be one of the greatest blessings that it is finished has provided for us is that we now have an approachable God. But then, I want you to notice another thing that was fulfilled was an unwavering requirement. And if you go to Deuteronomy 10, we'll look at some things on this. So Deuteronomy 10, an unwavering requirement. One of the things about the law is it was equal for everybody. And I know in the United States, uh, sometimes we think that possibly representatives or bureaucrats or people who've been elected into government, they want the laws to be different for them than they do other people, right? And in fact, I think the, even during the, this time of presidential election, make sure Tuesday that you vote, by the way, and uh, ask God who you should vote for according to his word and the principles of his word. 
But, you know, one of the things that's come up these last couple weeks that I've heard several times is, is a presidential candidate who would say, you know what, we're going to make sure that any law that is passed applies to everybody, right? It applies to the Congress. It applies to the president. It applies to the Secretary of State and her server, wherever she keeps it, in a bathroom or at the Secretary of State or wherever. It applies to everybody. And in the Old Testament... God had related to his people that there was no issue with this. The law did rely on God's infallible word, and it did relate to every person. And so look at Deuteronomy 10 now, verse number 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? So there's a requirement. But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Look at verse 17. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. The Old Testament law was absolutely no respecter of persons, because God is no respecter of persons, and we're reminded of that again in Romans. You know, the law gave no preference to those with social status. The law gave no preference to those with family history. And some wrongly thought that the law was given to offer salvation. In fact, some people still think that today. But you know, the law was designed from the outset to show mankind two things. The law was given to show that all men are guilty, that we fall short of God's glory. And the second thing it was there to show is that we all need permanent healing. Because in the law, the provision of atonement was only temporary. It was a temporary covering, and we all needed a permanent covering. Head to the New Testament to Romans chapter 3. Yeah, you guys are working hard out there. I'll tell you what, it's great stuff. Romans chapter 3. If you're familiar with this chapter, there's a couple of verses that I guess are more famous than the rest. Verse 10 where it says there's none righteous, no, not one, and verse 23, for all of sin. But sometimes we skip over uh, verses 19 and 20, and I want you to look at those. Look what it says, verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. Here's the purpose of the law now, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law was there to show us that we're sinners. The law is there to show us that we're guilty. And the law is there to show us that we need redemption. And the unwavering requirement of the law didn't bend for anyone. You know, Jesus told a story about a rich man who fared sumptuously. He had everything you could ever want. 
He had a, the house that everybody dreamed of having. Uh, he was able to have on his table what anybody would want on his table. And there was a beggar outside of his gate named Lazarus who licked the crumbs off of the table of his rich man. I mean, he was so poor. And yet, Jesus said that the rich man, when he died in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Because it didn't matter his status. It didn't matter what his earthly life was like. He had broken God's law. And as a result, the requirement was eternal death. And so we see that it's unwavering. But then I want you to see another thing, an unfulfilling sacrifice. Every year, when the high priest entered the Holy of Holies to perform the atonement ceremony, the law demanded that he do the same thing again the next year. And again, the next year. And again, the next year was never enough. The sacrifice only gave a temporary covering. And I could try to explain it to you this morning, but I know that the Scriptures explain it so well that there's no reason for me to even try. So I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 9. And the best thing I could possibly do to explain this to you is to read what God has already written. It is so incredible how this is worded and how God has given it to us in Hebrews chapter 9. And uh, stick with me because we're going to read through a little bit of this and it's so valuable to our lives. Hebrews 9, verse number 1. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service in a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made The first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly, Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But in the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect. So, you know, even the priest who went into the tabernacle, he wasn't even made perfect by the sacrifice. And look down at verse number 11 now. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Look at chapter 10. And stick with me here. This 
This is so good. Hebrews 10, verse number 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Now look at verse number 14. This is a great verse to memorize. This is a verse, by the way, that the Awana kids memorize. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And uh, there was an unfulfilling sacrifice when Jesus showed up. When Jesus finished his work, though, there was a finished sacrifice once for all for all mankind. And then I want to talk about an unsurpassed anticipation. While you're in Hebrews there, go one more chapter to chapter 11. The Old Testament people of faith, the Bible says, looked forward to the first coming of Messiah. When Jesus Christ would show up on the earth, that's what they were looking for. And it's so interesting that they didn't fully even understand what that meant. Look at Hebrews 11 at verse number 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims of the earth. Yeah, the folks in the Old Testament had an anticipation looking forward to Jesus Christ. You know, as New Testament believers, even though we don't fully understand what's ahead, we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we can only do that because it is finished. We can only do that because the demands of the law have been fulfilled. It's so interesting the way the law works and the way that uh, the court system works. And, you know, there was a court case in eternity. And uh, you were guilty. And I was guilty. And as we sat at that table, the judge pulled out the list and it was long. Uh, you remember that time you threw that apple at that kid when you were six years old? You remember that time when you lied to your mom when you were seven? Right? You remember that time when you stole that piece of bubble gum from Ben Franklin Pharmacy in Springfield, Missouri when you were four and your mom made you, made you take it back and give it to the manager? I remember that. <laughs> you remember that time when you tormented your little brother or sister mercilessly? repeatedly and the list is just so long and the judge says is there any objection i mean look at the list you're guilty and even you had to say i'm guilty i'm a sinner i have no hope but then defense attorney stood up in his name jesus christ the righteous and he came before the judge and I said, I, I have these to offer. And he laid out his hands. And in his hands, nail scars. And his blood on the mercy seat before God is the only way 
we can be redeemed from our sins. It's the only way the law's demand is fulfilled. And this morning, as we finish this service, I, I want you to know this. If you are sitting there today and you know you're guilty of sin, and you know that sin has a price and the wages of sin is death, but you have never claimed the redemption that Jesus offers, I want you to know you can claim that today. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. You know, there's no magic prayer you can pray to be saved. There's no four-step program to be saved. Salvation comes when you confess in your heart and you confess to Jesus, I believe that you are the only way that my sins can be covered. I believe that you're the only way to God, and I claim you as my Savior. And if you do that in your heart today, and you bow your heart and your head before God, and you claim Him as your Savior, I want you to know that we would love to hear about that, and we'd love to be able to talk with you and show you some Scripture and assure you of what salvation is and how you can know faith in Jesus Christ is your pathway to heaven. But we'd also like to celebrate with you. And we'd like to be able to start some discipleship where you understand more about who God is and what He does. And if you'd like to do that, you can either tear off your bulletin insert and hand it to an usher, or you could just tell us as you go out today, I really want to know more about Jesus Christ, or I really want to grow in my faith. And we would love to share with you more about who Jesus is and what He can do in your life. Because Jesus is the only one who could hang on the cross and say it is finished. It couldn't just be another lamb. It had to be the spotless lamb of God. And folks, we live in a time period looking back at the cross where we have a much easier view of faith. Can you imagine living before the cross, before Jesus came, and your redemption is based on something that's still yet to come? That takes huge faith. But we can look back at the cross. We can look back at the resurrection. We can look currently at what God does in lives. And we know that our Redeemer lives. And boy, what an assurance we have in Jesus Christ. Let's bow in prayer this morning. As we bow, I just want to encourage you once again to have a private, personal relationship with Jesus Christ and to grow in faith. Our Father, we thank you that the work of redemption was completed on the cross. We thank you that the law's demand, is, as huge as it, as it is and as strong as it has been throughout history, that your cross fulfilled it. Your cross finished the work of redemption. I pray that you would help each of us to have a personal relationship with you and to leave this place today with the assurance that we can know you for eternity. And Lord, if there be one or more who do not know that, I pray that they would come and uh, talk to us today about these things. And uh, let them not leave this building today before they know for certain that Jesus Christ is in their lives. I pray that you would bless us in the festivities to follow. And we thank you again that we can come to church and we can have a joyous time together glorifying your name. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.
tell you what we're going to do and how this is all going to work. Right down the sidewalk, as you go out the front doors today, uh, is the next building. And if you just go in the next door that you see into our little gymnasium there, that is where our chuck wagon meal is going to be. And if you need to grab some things, we'll probably uh, go over there and start in about five minutes. And we want everybody to stay. We have plenty of food, and it's just going to be a great time. And if you see uh, Seth and Cassie and Aaron and Melissa, make sure you thank them for everything that, that happened here this morning. And we really appreciate uh, the music they were done. You're going to be blown away by what our volunteers have done in the gym. And I'm telling you what, they just, Rose and John Tilford, they are the, the servants of all servants when it comes to setting this kind of stuff up. And you're going to eat today and get your food out of a chuck wagon. Just say it at that, okay? It, it's going to be fun. And so, so head on over. And even if you didn't plan to stay, I hope you can. And we'll stay and have a great time, all right? And don't forget that at 5.30 tonight, Marriage Seminar, Session 2. And I hope you'll be here. It starts right on time. The video will start right at 5.30. Love you, everybody. Have a great day. Happy trails to you until